Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. We're a church that we, we want to look and sound a little bit like heaven. And in heaven, spoiler alert, when you get there, you're going to be standing next to somebody with some different skin tones than you. Everything is not going to look like you. And we're going to be singing in, in languages other than English. We're going to be singing in the languages of the world. We're going to be singing in the languages of the spirit. We're going to be gathered there together with the multitudes to worship and to give praise to God. So that's what I believe the church is meant to give a glimpse to this world of what heaven will be like. And that's one of the things I love about our church is that when I look around, it doesn't look like me. Come on. And if you look around and the church only looks like you, it's a problem. We gotta, we gotta, we are a church. We're not meant to look like each other. We're a church that's meant to be united together to glorify Jesus and to be builders of the body of Christ. And I'm just so thankful to be part of this kind of church. Come on. Anybody else love their church? We just did a series on that, and we're not in that series right now. Actually, last week we started a series of messages that God put on my heart a while back. And has, uh, I, I didn't share it earlier than now because it was just one of those things. I was like, God, I, I, need, I need you to help me on how to communicate what you put on my heart. It's a series called Dead Man Walking. And um, what, what God spoke to me was that there are things in our lives that we are supposed to be dead to, that we're supposed to, you know, none of us have a, a deceased family member or a deceased person sitting at our dining room table. That would be gross. That would be morbid. We don't do that. Dead things are buried. And there's things in our lives as followers of Jesus that we are supposed to be dead to, that are supposed to be buried because there's no life in them. But so often we like to keep them around. We like to keep them in our house and pretend that there's life in them. The other part that God spoke to me, he said, there are things that we are supposed to be alive to, but we are dead to. We're like the dead person walking around, right, that we're meant to be living in, alive in, but we haven't allowed the consciousness of Christ to overwhelm us enough to realize who we are so that we can live them out. We've been dead to some things that God wants to awaken us into. And so last week we started this series of message talking about this whole idea of how we can live live alive unto God but dead to sin. It comes from Romans chapter 6 verse 11. It says this. He says, count yourselves or consider your life dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Come on, isn't that good to know that you're not just dead in sin. If you've received Jesus, you have the life of God inside of you. You are a new creation, brand new. So look at somebody sitting beside you today and say, dead man walking. By the way, if you see some empty seats around you, those are available for you to invite people in your world to come to church. Come on. That's what we do. We are uh, bringers, and so I encourage you next week, be a bringer with you. Um, today, I want to share this word, wake up the dreamers. Let me say it one more time. Wake up the dreamers. Did you know that you are a dreamer? In fact, you are God's dreamer. God created you to be a dreamer. He, he created you to, to envision things and, and see something that is not and speak it forth, bring it into existence. 
right? That's what he did when you, the very first part of the Bible, Genesis 1, chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he create the heavens and the earth? He said, it says that he said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke what he saw and created out of nothing, out of words, was formed what God spoke. God is the original dreamer. He had dreams. A dream, see, see when we talk about dreams, sometimes we, we get it mixed up because we're only thinking of dreams from an earthly perspective. Right, but, but we need to realize that if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are no longer just an earthly being. The Bible says you are not citizens of this world. You are citizens of heaven. All right, so we are spiritual beings, just happen to be taking a, a time on this earth, but we have to have a more spiritual consciousness than we've had about things. That things are more spiritual than we realize. Everything around us, there's the spiritual world happening and taking place. And too many times as Christians, we want to close our eyes. We want to pretend like it's not there. It's the, it's the things we're meant to be alive to. We're meant to, to interact and because we have authority in the spiritual realm because of Christ. But too often we're like, oh, that's, that's, that's too spooky. That's too weird. That's for those overly spiritual people. No, you are a spirit being. You can't be overly spiritual. You are a spirit being. <laughs> right? We are a three-part being, right? You are a spirit. That's the real you. That's the part of you that's either dead in sin or alive in Christ. The part of you that will live in eternity either with God forever in heaven or separated from him forever in hell, right? And that's, we know that's not based on how good of a person you are or did you do enough nice things or whatever. It's based upon every person's individual decision either to receive Christ on this earth as their Savior or to reject him, right? That's the factor. So you are a spirit. Spirit, but you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your feeling, your emotions. That's that part of you. And you live in a physical body. We all have this physical body. But one day, this physical body will cease to exist. It will die, but your spirit will live on. It's kind of like your hand going into a glove. I know we don't use gloves very often here in Florida. But it's the best, best illustration I could think of. When it's cold outside, and it's not usually here, it, when it gets down to like 60, we put gloves on, right? Come on, y'all. Y'all are pretty like, I know it. I've seen the people out there at 60 degrees. People are out there in their turtlenecks running down the street. You know. When you put your hand in a glove, it doesn't mean that your hand is now the glove. The glove is this lifeless thing. It's just covering up your hand. But there's that moment when your hand slips out of the glove. Your hand is still real and exists, but the glove just kind of sits there lifeless. Your spirit is like your hand. It just happens to be in a body right now. But there will be a moment when your body dies, your spirit slips out of your body and exists in eternity, and your body is just this lifeless thing there. So you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And God created you not to be dead to the spiritual world and just kind of hope it works out and, and offer up some prayers in the 911 moments. No, God has created you as a spiritual being to interact, to have authority in the spiritual realm and not just authority, but we know we have armor, we have defensive armor and we have offensive armor in the spiritual realm, not only to advance against the enemy, but to defeat his attacks. All right, this is not sci-fi day. This is wake up the dreamers. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, wake up the dreamers. Are you all still with me today? So we have to kind of realize that 
When we think of dreams, we kind of have only seen things too often from this earthly perspective. You can tell when you're seeing things from an earthly perspective when the word of God comes counter to what you've always thought about something. And then this little offense tries to creep up. Great example when we talk about giving. Anytime we talk about giving, there's this little offense that kind of tries to creep up. You know what I'm talking about? Don't tell me what to do with my money. Like, who? Right? Anybody else? Just, just me in the house? Okay. You don't have to raise your hand. That's an indication that we've come to see money and our resources strictly from an earthly perspective instead of a heavenly perspective. And too often when we start talking about dreams, we've seen them strictly from an earthly perspective where we think of dreams as in, oh, I'm going to lay down on my pillow and I'm going to see fluffy clouds and green meadows and I'm going to see myself as a trillionaire and everything's going to be fine and my family's going to be skipping down the road as we go to our perfect family picture in the middle of a field where we carried a couch. We're not sure how the couch showed up in the middle of this field for this picture, but it's just there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Tis the season. Praise him. But, and that's fine. I believe God wants you to have an amazing preferred future. But God doesn't, listen, God doesn't, God's dreams are not for those purposes. God's dreams for our lives are, are not strictly so that we would just have a, 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 just a yippy skippy life with no problems. God's dreams for our life look more like our calling. Look more like living on purpose. Looks more like interacting with people who are in darkness to help them come into light. That's God's dream. How do I know? Because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he saw something that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would uh, believe in him would have everlasting life. We know that Jesus had a dream because it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus, for the joy set before him, for something he didn't have, but he saw a, a vision, a dream of what would happen. He endured the pain. He endured the cross. You were the joy, the vision, the dream that God had. That's why Jesus endured, because he saw your face. He saw your redemption. He saw you being brought out of sin and being made alive unto God and Christ. He saw you in eternity gathered around the throne with a hundred billion angels worshiping the Father forever. He saw you being rescued from the clutches of the enemy. That was the vision. And see, those are the dreams that God wants to implant into us. It's why you are made. You are made to be a dreamer. And God wants to impart his spirit into you, his dream into you, so that you could go out and make a big difference in this world. Come on, that's a good place to give God praise. We serve a God who gives his people dreams and visions, a plan for their life. We know that because one of the ways God speaks is through dreams and visions. Um, I believe that um, the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. Okay, I got one amen from the front row. When we, when we open the Bible and we begin to read it, it's called the word of God for a reason. Right? Because it's God's word for you. Second uh, Timothy says, um, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired given to us to teach us, to correct us, to rebuke us. Why? So that we could be equipped and become thoroughly mature as a believer to do everything God created us to do. So if we really want to hear God speaking, we really want to know what God's plan, his purpose is for our life, then we can't help but get in the word. And it's so funny to me so often when we're, people are like, well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Well, when was the last time you read the Bible? 
When was the last time you began, not just to read it, to check the box off, but when was the last time it was like, God, what do you want to show me in this today? Like, God, I'm not going to stop until you speak something to me today. When you just got so hungry for something that you had to find it. You had to get nourishment in your soul. You know what I'm talking about? Like, this is one of the primary ways that God speaks is through his word. And I've found that when God speaks to us then through dreams and visions, it's to confirm something that he's already given to us, that he's already spoken to us. So we know God gives us these things. I believe God speaks to us through his through dreams and visions to give us ideas. He gives us books to write, uh, businesses to start, solutions to things. He gives us words to share, all these kinds of different things, ways to make a difference, something that you couldn't have come up with on your own. Uh, I would define a dream this way. A dream is a God-given, prophetic, projected destiny. It's something that doesn't exist yet, but God created you to bring into existence. That's a dream. Something prophetic that God created you to bring to reality. It's a, it's a future that when, when we are willing to take steps of faith, and when God puts his hand on our lives, will bring forth from us. It's just this dream. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no revelation, or one translation says, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. People perish. They, they throw caution to the wind. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom instruction. So when there's no vision from God, then it says people are going to cast off restraint. When we're not connected to the Father, when we're not in the Word, when we're not hearing from heaven, when we don't know what our purpose is, what we're called to do, then we'll just fall for anything. We'll believe any lie. We'll, we'll fall into any deception, right? But when we take heed, it says, when we're, we're, we're listening and, and, and hungry for the word, getting in it and pursuing what God has created us to do, chasing down after this thing that he's put inside of us, developing our gifts and our talents, man, it says, then we'll be blessed, right? Look, look at this other version, same verse, but this is the message paraphrase, still Proverbs 29, 18. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, They'll stumble all over themselves. Some of us have been in that place. We've just been fumbling, just trying to get through life, and it just seems like every way, doesn't matter what we do, nothing seems to work out. Well, I would suggest it's time to get in the presence of God. It's time to begin to say, God, what are you doing? What do you want me to be doing? He says, if we can't see what he's doing, we'll stumble all over themselves. But when we attend to what he reveals... You'll be most blessed. So one of the keys to unlocking more blessing of God in your life is to attend to what he reveals to you. Well, I, I can tell you there's 66 books that he's revealed to you of his will. So are we attending to the word? Are we, are we paying close attention to it? Are we, are, are, are we checking our motives against it? How are your motives lately? You know, the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. You know, that's what the Bible does is it comes in when we read it. It's not just words. It says that it's alive and powerful. It comes and it divides between soul and spirit. So in other words, when you don't know, God, was that you? That means that the answer is in the word because the word comes in and makes it clear. It divides, pushes what's spirit to one side and what's soul, what's flesh to the other side so that you can know with confidence, oh, this is the spirit of God and this is not. Come on, is this good today? I got to make sure because I'm, I'm amen. I got to start amening myself today. I have one simple goal today, and that's to get you dreaming again. I want to get you dreaming again. Dreaming about your life. Dreaming about what God has called you to do. Dreaming about your marriage. 
Whether you're married right now or whether you're single, I want you to be dreaming about your marriage. Dreaming about your kids. I want you to be, come on, dreaming about your church. I'm not the only dreamer in this place. I'm not the only one that God will speak to in this place. Come on. we got to wake up the dreamers. I believe this is an area that far too many Christians have been dead to, of dreaming a God dream. And, you know, like it, it, it's fine when you're just like, okay, you want me to dream. But when we realize what's on the other side of the dream, the purpose of the dream is not just about us, but it's to impact the lives of other people, then it becomes even more of a reality why it's so important to wake up the dreamer. Like if we're like, well, I don't need to dream. God's going to do whatever he wants to do. Like Bummer for the people that God has called you to reach. Bummer for them. Hope they make it and don't end up somewhere. Hope their lives aren't ruined and destroyed. No, God has created you. Put a dream inside of you. Put a calling and a gifting inside of you to make a difference. And I know sometimes when we start talking about it, it's, it's, it's easy to talk about, harder to do. You know, and especially when it seems like such a big thing. Like, you want me to make a difference in this world? We, you know, I, I would just tell you this. God's dream... Um, it's not contingent upon the size. We put, we put limitations and contingencies on things. But God's dream is not contingent upon the size. What I mean is that whether God calls you to build 100 churches in, in Africa or, or build 1,000 orphanages in Peru or wherever, or whether God calls you to raise two children to know his voice and to know how to serve him like all the days of their life, both are equally important. God doesn't value one over the other. He values you, and what he's asking you to do is the dream that he's put inside of your heart. It's not contingent upon the size. One is not more valuable or more important than the other. They're both equally important. They both carry the same weight. And God's, God's dream for our life, it's not contingent upon uh, our own abilities. <laughs> I think that's so important. Because if it's contingent on your own abilities, then I, like, I shouldn't be up here. I don't know, anybody ever else felt that way about your life? I shouldn't be w w doing what I'm doing. God, uh, no, like, it's not contingent upon our own abilities. It's contingent upon our level, our willingness to obey. When God says, hey, I want you to step out, but God, I don't see the answer. I want you to step out and do this thing. I want you to move into a place where you don't know anybody where you, and you can't see what it's going to be like. God, like our willingness to be obedient in faith. It's not throwing caution to the wind. It's, it's chasing after the vision that God has put on your heart. So, you know, that, that's why I think it's important to understand is that God's dream for our life, it's not contingent upon the leap either. <laughs> Sometimes when we start dreaming, we think, I'm going to, once, once I get to the place that the dream is happening, then I'll make a difference. Then I'll do something good. But, but God's just, God's just going to make it happen. Well, that's, that's not exactly how it works. You know, we, we, we want the leap, but God is looking for steps. You know, and, and so we've got to begin to get on the journey. We've got to begin to get involved, begin to do something. If you really want to make a difference and you want to make a big difference in this life, the best thing I can tell you is start today. 
Do something today that makes a difference. Help somebody. Impact somebody's life. It might not be the bigness of the dream yet. But if you never start today, you won't get there. If you just are waiting for it to just poof magically happen, the poof won't happen. The big bang bang was a lie. God created, specifically said, let there be light. Adam wasn't created yet. You weren't created yet. He said, hey, let the earth take shape. Let Let there be separation between the water and the sea. Before he ever got to Adam there was there was these other five days of creation and there's steps that we've got to go through before we get to the thing but if God didn't start with let there be light there wouldn't be light today we've got to begin to take the steps if you want to make a difference do something today that's why I always tell people get involved in your church it's one of the easiest ways to make a difference and I know you expect me to say that because you think well you just want to no I don't need anything from you Like serving and making a difference through your church will affect your life more than it will mine. It will bless you. It will change your perspective more than anything else. Now, I I say that, and of course, we need you. (laughs) I can only do so much. And if it's just me and my wife, Pastor Heather, we're the ones carrying everything, then we can only do so much. See, the vision of our church is only going to move forward at the speed of our involvement, of our giving and our, our serving. That's the speed that we're going to see the vision come to church. So don't fall into the trap of saying, well, look at all these empty seats. And look, why, why can't we just do this? And if the church could just, no. That's the signal. That's the flashing sign, the fork in the road between going towards uh, the complainers or going towards your purpose and getting involved and being a solution. See, there's a story in the book of Genesis. Uh, not Genesis. Uh, sorry, brain malfunction, rewind. There's a story in the Old Testament when God called the children of Israel, his dream for them, he said, I want you to go to the promised land. It's a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And, And I'll take care of all the enemies there. They'll be scattered. You'll defeat them. Everything will be great. This is your inheritance. This is the promise that I have for you. It is yours. Go move into that land. And so they come up to the land. They've come out of slavery. They're all excited about having their inheritance and their promise. And they send 12 spies in and they came back out and uh, uh, over a million people allowed 10 people, 10 people diluted and polluted the dream of God and kept them from ever entering what God had for them. So there's always that fork in the road where you can go with those who want to dilute and pollute with gossip, with bicker, with division and all that kind of stuff. Or you can go in the other direction and say, okay, God, I'm not going to be the complainer. I'm going to be part of the solution. I'm going to help bring some things to life. I'm going to step beyond what I think is possible. I'm going to give more than what I think is possible. If there's a void, I'll step in and fill it. There's, there's just a difference, and you have the decision to make. That's why I always say victory is going to go on and continue. It'll just be better if you're one of the ones standing there. There are people in this house who are called to a higher level of leadership. I'm not going to say any names or call any initials out today, but it's you. Yes, you. You're called to a higher level of leadership. It will cost you. It always does, but it's always worth it. The reward is always greater than the cost. But you can never exhaust your potential by helping someone else reach theirs. Come on, it's just true. Um, a God-given dream. i got to get back on track here. Come on, somebody. Wait, so somebody say, wake up the dreamers. Um, yeah, so I find that in life so often as we're 
dreaming a God dream. Okay, now we're getting excited. Okay, we're going to start dreaming, all this kind of stuff. I find there's generally five categories of dreams because I believe that God has already implanted something inside of you. He already has a purpose and a vision for your life. That's why he says in Psalms 139, before, I ever, before you were ever made, I knew you and I had a plan and a purpose for your life. All right? So God already has implanted in you what the dream is. And I just find that this dream is usually in one of five conditions in our lives. The first condition is no dream. We believe there's no dream. Uh, there's no vision for that person's life. Maybe you've known that person or whatever. Please don't nudge your spouse right now. Just keep those elbows right here. You know, like, like it could be that this person doesn't know their purpose, doesn't have a dream for their life because they've been disconnected from God. Sure, the outside is polished up and looks great. But when you dig past the outside, there's just no connection to God. They just come to church. They do the spiritual moments. But God isn't looking for those spiritual moments. He said, if you search for me with all of your heart, then you will find me and when we're just searching him with just the exterior that's not all of us God is an all in and all or nothing God right so we we got to get to this point where we're connected with him well how do we connect with him well one great way to connect is get in the word begin to read begin to study get begin to worship on a daily basis begin to pray begin to find that connection point to the father because when you're connected to the father you can't help but dream you can't help but have faith. You can't help but begin to see people and what God has called you to do. You can't help but be the solution to the things that are out there. And listen, God has given you direct access to him. I don't have special access to God that you don't have. All of us have equal access to the Father. It's just the level that we choose to set other things aside to come into his presence. That's, that's the level of clarity you will hear his voice. What are you willing to set aside to know God deeper? That's the question. What are you willing to forsake to know him more? Right, and, and just to help you out a little bit, I want to give you this. You can write this down. It's God's phone number. You guys ready? God's phone number. It's Jeremiah 33, verse 3. He says, call to me and I will answer and I will show you great and mighty things you do not know. Things to come. I will show you the plan and the purpose for your life. I will give you a dream. I will give you a vision. For those of you that are wondering what, what, what a phone call to me means, let, let's modernize it a little bit. Text me and I will reply. And I will show you what I've called you to do. Come on. Like this is direct access. God has thrown the doors wide open. Say come. Find out. Ask me what you want to know. Come to me and I'll tell you what I have for you in your life to come. When you're in God's presence. It's like when you're praying, don't just come to him to just dump everything on him. Sure, you can, you can tell him anything. But in that moment, as you're saying, God, okay, here's what I'm going through, then don't just leave at that moment. After you've told him what's going on, after you told him the need, told him the hurts and told him the pain, then stop talking and just listen. Then Psalms 46, be still and know that he is God. Right? How many mouths do you have? One. How many years do you have? Two. So twice the listening than you to the to the ratio of talking, right? Same thing when we're praying. Get in his presence and, and be quiet. And let me let me give you some pro tips, some life hacks for praying. Bring a notebook and a pen with you. I know you can do it on your phone, but the phone will just bring distractions in. Like I like old school. Maybe you're okay with the phone, but I gotta get rid of the phone in my time when I like when I'm focused on God. I bring a notebook and a pen in there because I find as I'm, I'm pressing into his presence and as I quiet my soul and I quiet the distractions in my mind, mind be quiet, focus on the presence of God. All of a sudden God begins to 
sometimes faster than I can keep up with. You know what I'm saying? Like, bring those things with you. Be ready. Come expectant into his presence. And when you do that enough, then you'll realize, like, okay, God, I got all these things, but that, that can wait. Speak to me. Like, it's just so good that the creator of the universe would, would meet with you to speak to you individually. Isn't that awesome? Let's not, let's not overlook what sacred, beautiful, amazing thing that is for the common everyday things that everybody else has. Wow, come on. Like that's the place to be. And when we're in that place, man, you don't have to worry about anything. God's going to fill you with dreams and visions. Here's the second condition I find generally of dreams is a wrong dream. And when I say a wrong dream, I don't necessarily mean a bad dream or even a sinful dream. But I just find that uh, it might be a good dream, but most of the time it's a, a dream that is only focused on earthly pursuits. It has nothing to do with God's plans or, or purpose. It has nothing to do with eternity. And too often we allow our dreams, a God dream, to be overtaken and only focused on the things going on around us. Whether that's for the good things or the bad things, uh, you know, the hurts, the pains, the disappointments, whatever. The voices, the chatter, everything. I love what it says in, in Acts chapter 20 verse 24. Paul is speaking and he's basically uh, telling some of his friends goodbye. He's like, yo guys, I'm about to die. They're going to kill me. So I'm, I'm saying my last goodbyes. So that's the setting. Can you imagine that? Like, what? And he tells them this. He says, this is the last thing I'm going to say to you. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is the task? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Did you know the task of your life is not to build a great career? Like, that's good. That's a bonus. That's an additive. The task of your life is to testify to the glory and the goodness of God. Come on, that's what our lives is all about. God doesn't enjoy you, uh, doesn't mind. Uh, <laughs> I said that wrong. God doesn't mind you enjoying this life. Like, that's why he made every good thing. That's why he blessed you. That's why he put those passions within you for, for the hobbies and all those things. God created this world for us to enjoy, but not as the primary purpose. The primary purpose was to know him and to help other people to know him. And that's his dream. The dream of God in our lives will be centered around those two things, knowing him deeper and helping other people to know him as well. You can live for anything, but you can only live once. So make sure you make it count. Here's another condition of our dreams is a stale dream. A stale dream. A, a person might have a, a good dream or a God dream, but I find a lot of times it gets stale. It gets cold. It's like queso. You know, the, the crusty queso. Anybody? Like when me and my wife, Pastor Heather, go out to lunch, she loves to order queso. And when it comes out, it's all hot and steamy, you know, and you dip your chip in there and they're like running off the chip, dripping. Oh, somebody's like, I'm going to lunch today. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the queso is great and it's good, but what's interesting about queso is once you stop kind of dipping the chips in there, the longer it sits there without being stirred up, the longer the queso sits there without being used for its purposes, it gets, loses its temperature, it gets this crustiness, this filmy blech on the top, right? And it's got to be stirred up again. It's got to be stirred up again to be good again. And I find that so often the God dream in us has gotten stale. It's gotten to be crusty queso. Look at your neighbor and say crusty queso. 
Come on, don't be crusty queso. We've got to get stirred up in our spirits. We've got to begin to stir the, the spirit of God inside of us. I love what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. This is the apostle Paul. He's writing to Timothy, who he calls a true son in the faith. So he sees himself as Timothy's spiritual dad, and he says, I want to remind you to fan into flames the gift of God. So in other words, it's a responsibility that we have to keep the gift of God, the passion of God in us, the dream of God in our hearts, fanned into flames. Because if we're not fanning into flames, it's going to go out and become embers and then just go out completely. He says, fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Here's what I know. When things get stale, when the queso gets crusty, it doesn't become good again on its own. It needs something radical to get in there and stir it up. It needs, uh, we don't go back to passionate our dreams on accident. It's going to require some radical steps of faith to get the gifts of God, the passions of God stirred up in our heart again. And here, Paul is saying to his, his spiritual son, one of the ways to stir that up is by the laying on of my hands. And that's why it's so important when we have altar call. Like, and I, we're going to make room for that here in just a few moments to stir up the gifts of God inside of us. Is it something in, in, in a hand? No. It's just something that God put into play when there's a spiritual authority in our lives that God made it so that when the hand is laid on, there's a, a transferring in the spiritual realm that things begin to fan into flames, that things begin to get stirred up on the inside of us. And man, if you find yourself in that cold, stale, crusty case of kind of place, you just need something fanned into flames inside of you, then when we have the altar call today, I encourage you, get down here to the front. Right? we got to do some radical things. Maybe it's prayer, fasting, whatever it is. Man, we're going to take some steps to move out of that place. Here's another condition of our dreams, a vague dream. Too often, uh, a person has a dream, but they haven't taken the time to really like uh, uh, dream about the details, to articulate it more, to be able to express it clearly. Uh, 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 somebody told me once, he's like, if you can't express the vision in your heart in 10 seconds, in 30 seconds, in three minutes, then you haven't spent enough time in God's presence de developing what it is that he's called you to do. There's the 10-second version. There's a 30-second version, and then there's the extended version. You know what I'm talking about? We've got to begin to spend some time to develop it, and I, I believe that comes through writing it down. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's a book of the Bible called Habakkuk. You maybe never read it before, but you probably will today. We'll read it all together right now. Chapter 2, verse 2. The Lord said, write down the revelation. Write down the vision, the dream, and make it plain on tablets. They didn't have paper. He's not talking about an iPad. But in case you're wondering where Apple got it from, it's right here. They make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with it. Another translation says that so whoever hears it will run with it. I love football season because there's football on all the time. And some of you are like, that's why I don't like football season. Wherever you are, that's okay. It's okay. But uh, uh, an excellent football coach, when they get the team together and they're in their practice, they're in meetings, he will tell his team, whether it's offense or defense, he's like, here's the play. Here's what we're going to do to stop this pass or to stop this run. And if he just stood up there and said, you go there and you, you come in and stop this guy and you go that guy, like 
it might come together, but there's going to be some confusion. It's going to be a little unclear. Like, no great football coach just, just says it out loud. A great football coach will hand out a piece of paper with the schematics of the play written down on a piece of paper, or they'll get a whiteboard out, like, let's gather around, and he'll begin to write it out on the board. You're going to go this direction. You're going to do this and then spin and go this direction. There's something about writing down the vision that then allows people to run with it, to see it come to life. We've got to get specific with our dreams, not just take it vague. Oh, God wants to make a difference in my life. He wants, he wants to use me for something great. Well, of course. <laughs> well, let, let's get into the details and begin to write it down. Let's have enough faith about us to begin to believe that God, who is a God of order, has some details. If we'll press into it, he will download it into us. Here's the last condition of our dreams that, that I believe they find us in is, is a God dream. It's a God dream. People who have the God dream, they know the details. They spent the time. They're, they're beginning to take the steps of faith. They might not see the reality of it today, but they're taking steps of faith, keeping their eyes forward on what God has called them to do. And I just want to encourage you today to wake you up to begin to dream again because once you begin to get clarity, once you begin to write it down, once you begin to get some passion, that doesn't all mean that it happens the next day. See, a God dream is a little bit like Space Mountain. Anybody been to the Magic Kingdom? We live in Orlando. I know many of those watching at church online, you don't live in Orlando. But we live in Orlando where we have Disney World. And there's this ride there at the Magic Kingdom called Space Mountain. And you, when you're walking up to Space Mountain, it looks amazing on the outside. It looks huge. And there's these, these pillars and spikes everywhere and these lights. and It looks amazing. And when you have this dream from God, it's kind of like that. You're like, okay, God, that looks really cool. That looks amazing. Let's go. And so you start running towards it and you get Get closer, and as you get closer to Space Mountain, you realize there is a huge line of people that I'm gonna have to wait in. And you start waiting, waiting, and you're just taking one step at a time, like when will the next step? Okay, another step. And then you look beside you and you realize there are people in another line passing you by, just walking, just going straight into their vision. And that's when comparison and jealousy starts to creep in, and a little bit of like. Go ahead, walk past me one more time. I will cut you. <laughs> oh, that's where the idols of Facebook and Instagram love to, love to steal our vision. You're standing in this line, and then you deal with your heart. You're like, okay, you, did, you got the lightning lane. Okay, it's all right, it's all right. And so then you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And, and what you start to realize while you're waiting, now you're inside the building waiting, and now you got some air conditioning. Finally, some relief from the Florida sun. And you're waiting to get on the line. And then you start to realize that there's some nice decor and some fancy things to keep your attention. And so you're staying focused on the vision because there's some, there's some things to keep you locked in as you're waiting to get there. And then you wait, you wait, you wait, and you finally get to the moment. You can start to see, oh, there it is. We're almost there. We're getting close now. And then it's starting to build a little bit more. And you finally get to the point where they bring you and they get in, you get in the little roller coaster car. And you sit down and they pull the lap bar over you and you're like yes lord thank you jesus bringing dreams to life dead man coming to life thank you jesus we're about to go now right and you get there and then the attendant gives you one of these and they're like all right here we go and as the roller coaster starts to go you start to have this thought like i've made a terrible mistake what have i done and all of a sudden in the blink of an eye whew, 
You are whisked into Space Mountain, this ride, an indoor, in the dark roller coaster. And you don't know what's about to happen. You don't know where the turns are coming. You don't know when the dips are coming. But all you know is that you hear other people screaming. You are screaming. There's lights flashing around. You are just holding on. Please, God, don't let me die. Wishing you had not put your hat on backwards, but putting it underneath your legs so it didn't fly off and lose. Like, it is just wild. And then you get to the end of the ride. You come out, and you are still okay. And your heart is pumping. You're like, let's go again. That's kind of what it's like to live out your God dream. And I don't say that to scare you, but just to wake you up. Like, it is the most amazing thing you could ever do with your life is to live for the glory of God, to live to make a difference. And so I'm calling us up today. What is it in your life where you stop dreaming? Some of us, we've had dreams in the past, but because we, we've evaluated our circumstances, we've looked at all the things around us more than the dream, now the dream has become cold, it's become stale, we've pushed it to the side. It, it could be that we've buried our dreams so we wouldn't have to be reminded uh, of how, how, how we can't see it happen. You know, how we feel like we're never good enough to make it happen. Some of us have even associated the God dream in us to fairy tales, to a happily ever after that's only for some, but never for me. And and, and I don't have the right uh, family. I didn't have enough money or the right training or whatever. And that's just a lie of the devil to get you to, to stop dreaming, to get you to abort the thing that God has put inside of you. God has put a dream inside of you so that your life would bring glory to him. Come on. So that your life could be a a shining light. I I went to Oral Roberts University. It was founded by a guy named Oral Roberts. If you don't know who he was, Google him. Uh, He was a famous healing evangelist, really led that uh, portion, uh, uh, led the body of Christ through through the 1900s in ministry. He had a plaque on his desk, said, make no little plans here. They got a picture of it. That's oral at his desk. I know it's hard to read that, but that was way, way back before, before uh, HD photos. So it says, make no little plans here. And some of us have made little plans. We've made little plans with our gifts. We've made little plans with our calling and with our lives. We've made little plans for our marriages. We're just going to hope it works out. We're going to try to stay together for the kids. Some of us have made little plans with our kids. And all they ever hear from us is we just call out the things that they're doing and we're never speaking life or faith into them, never helping them go further than we ever could. We've made little plans and today I'm calling us up. Wake up, dreamer. Wake up, dreamer. It's time to get a vision for your marriage. It's time to, whether you're married today, it's time to get a vision that your marriage could go the distance, that it could be thriving and not just hanging on by a thread. For those who are single, it's time to get a fresh vision. You don't need to get the vision from friends about what a relationship could be. You need to get in the word and get a God vision so that you can protect your purity so that one day when you get married, you can enter pure into marriage. Come on, somebody. We need to get a fresh vision for our kids, for what they can be, that they don't have to be wrapped up in culture that they could be passionate about the house of God, the word of God more than anything else. We need to get a fresh vision for our business. We need to get some fresh vision and begin to dream again about how God could use our life and he could use our church to make a difference in our city. Come on, it's time to wake up the dreamers. It's time to start dreaming again. So if you've been thinking and considering that you don't have enough 
Well, begin to dream about how Philippians chapter 4, 19 says that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Some of us need to start dreaming about how much we can give when God increases us because we've made little plans with our giving. Some of us need to begin to dream again about the health in our bodies because we've made little plans with our health. And God wants us to begin to dream about how when we're old we'll be thriving and showing those young ones how to serve and what to do. Come on. God's dream is for your life, for your family, for your business, for every area of your life. And listen, God's dream is not about fame. It's about greatness. And it's, it's greatness for heaven, greatness for eternity, greatness for God's glory. That's God's dream and what it brings out of our lives. And I got to tell you, there will be opposition. There will be people who don't like it. There will be people who speak against it. The devil is desperate to stop the dream of God from being developed in your life. That's why when pain comes, all the stuff comes up, all the thoughts, all the feelings, all that stuff comes in disappointment, in setbacks, in loss, and all of that kind of stuff. It's designed to get you to give up on the dream of God. It's designed to get you to stop dreaming. The devil just just capitalizes on opportunities when we open the door and allow them to come in. But we have the authority to close the door and say, no, I'm going to continue in the spirit of God, right? Uh, endurance will be required to live in your God dream. Uh, you will have to exercise some spiritual authority. You will have to separate yourself from some common things if you want to be great in the kingdom of God. We're going to have to walk by faith. We're going to actually have to, be, to live out what we say we believe and begin to put some things into practice. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. Can we put it in terms of our dream? Let us not become weary in believing God about our dreams and dreaming the impossible. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Meaning the option is there. We can give up or we cannot give up. But the harvest is on the side of not giving up, of pushing through some things. So I want to give us real quick, I know I'm short on time. I want to give us real quick four things Four, I believe, essential elements that are going to fuel our God dream. Four essential elements to help us not to give up. Right? It's good to know, like, okay, thanks, don't give up. How do I do that? Four essential things that will help fuel our dreams in us. The first thing you need for your dream is hindsight. If you're going to move forward, you got to have hindsight. you got to know where you've been. Anybody know the song, my God isn't finished yet? If he did it before, he'll do it again. So I'll trust him with what comes next. Come on. Because my hindsight says I can count on it. Come on. I got a choir right here. Y'all sound good. I need to get some choir robes. Get y'all signed up. I'm going to write your name. I'm just kidding. See, the dream of God for your life is bigger than you. It's bigger than what you can do on your own. It will stretch you. It will cause the fruit of the Spirit to grow in you. It will, it will require you to pray like never before. It will require you uh, to forgive like never before. It will require you to watch your words like never before, to have more endurance than you ever thought you could have, to push through some painful moments. But that's why hindsight is so important for your dreams. See, hindsight is the occasional glance back to where I've been. It's the occasional look back to see, oh, God, you were faithful back there. God, you, you brought me through some difficult things. God, you were with me in the valley, but you brought me through the valley. And if you were with me then and you're still with me now, you're going to order my steps and lead me in. Oh, God, you ordered my steps through that loss in my life. 
and here I am still standing. God, I look like, oh, my finances were falling apart, but you supernaturally provided. And God, when I'm looking at this vision now, that requires even more. God, I know you're my provider because I've seen you do it before. I know you're going to do it again. See, a hindsight allows us to look back and not look at the pain. Oh, man, see what I missed out on or see what I didn't have or see how bad things were for me. See, that's what people get mixed up in. And, and um, I don't know if you realize this, but your car, um, when you're driving it, has uh, one really important thing to be mindful of when you're driving a car is to be constantly looking forward. Uh, my daughter is 17 and learning how to drive. She's a great driver. And so I'm, uh, every time I'm, I'm riding in the passenger seat, I'm just constantly teaching her about things, all the stuff on the road. And, and, you know, one of the things is that's so important is, hey, always be looking forward. But don't forget the occasional glance in the three safety features that is in every car. They're called rear view mirrors. There's one right here in the center of the windshield and one on either side of the, the front doors of the car so that you can occasionally look up and see what's behind you. Occasionally glance over, see what's going on. Occasionally look look back. And that's what we need to realize is that there are times when we need to look back and say, thank you, God, for being with me. God, I walked through some really hard times, but you never left me. God, I, like I had this wound, but you healed me. There might be a scar there now, but it's not a wound anymore. We need the occasional look back to the faithfulness of God. The trouble where people get tripped up is they look back and they just keep looking. If you drive in your car, <laughs> you know where this is going. It's going to a crash. <laughs> if you're driving your car only looking in the rearview mirror and never looking forward, it's going to be an accident. you got to be looking forward, but you need those occasional glances. Just a quick glance. Yep, God, you're, you're with me. You're still on the throne. I can trust your word. You're ordering my steps. You're going to bring me through this. This is your vision anyway. If you, you, you care about it more than I do, and as long as I'm obedient and staying in the place of blessing, then I'll... I'll be moving forward. Come on. we got to be allowing God to speak to us this way. I love what the book of Revelation, how it describes our, the end of our story. Did you know God knows the end of your story? And he actually put it in the Bible. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. This is God showing John a vision of what would take place at the end, the end times, right? It says they, meaning the believers who are in heaven before God's throne, they triumphed over him, the devil. They triumphed over the devil, over the devil's plans to destroy your life, to destroy what God has called you to do. They triumphed over him by two things, the blood of the lamb. That's the supernatural part. That's Jesus' sacrifice, the sanctification through the cross and the resurrection. We triumph over the devil through Jesus and the word of their testimony. That's your testimony. That's the occasional glance back. You know what God did in my life? I was a mess. My life was falling apart, but God brought me up out of this. I, I, like, I, I didn't deserve what God did for me, but he can do it for you too. That's the occasional glance back. It's your testimony. It's so powerful. It's one of the two things that says we'll destroy the works of the enemy. Come on, you've got a powerful story. Here, another thing you need to fuel your dreams is hindsight, but you also need foresight. You need to be, have a vision for the future. You need to not just see the immediate. See, when you're driving, it's important to know the car that's right in front of you, but it's also important to be looking ahead further down the road than where you are. If you want to... If you want to know where you're going, you got to know where you are. We understand this. Um, we understand this with our phones, with our map application. Yeah, you can want to go to the latest taco spot or to your vacation beach spot or whatever. And if you only put in the destination, your phone is going to ask you this very important question. What is your current location? It needs to know where you are. 
We need to begin to, to realize not only where we are, but where do we want to go. But if we don't know where we are, we're not going to be able to get to where we're going. we got to have some foresight, some vision for the future of what God wants to do through us. Of When all of this comes together, the end of the destination, the end of my life, what do I want my life to be? So, so often people get into trouble. People get pulled into deception or they start listening to the wrong voices because they're only looking at what's right here, not the end of the road. We've got to have the end in mind, where we want to end up, because then when I rewind, I can realize what every decision will lead me towards. Not every decision will lead me towards the destination. See, it's kind of like when you look through a telescope. See, when you get a telescope, it allows you to look at something you couldn't look at with your natural eye. Like, I can see the moon is there but I can't see the detail of it. I can see this like star in the sky, but when I start to look through a telescope, I can start to see something that's far off a little bit clearer and a little bit more detail, and I can begin to see shapes uh, of imprints on the moon and all, and all the craters and everything, and I can begin to see some things that I couldn't see with my natural eyes. They're just as real as they were without the telescope, but I just couldn't see them as clearly until I began to get some foresight, some, some vision, some direction from the Spirit of God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit constantly to be uprooting jealousy and pride and, and strife and all that stuff out of our hearts so that we can see clearly what it is that he's speaking to you. Like, if you have no vision for the future, no foresight into what God is calling you into, then you'll constantly just run to the past. We've got to get some vision of where God is bringing you. And listen, i got to tell you this. Uh, only one eye fits into this telescope at a time. So don't freak out when other people don't see it. That's why you need some people in your life who will believe with you when they don't see it. You need some people surrounding you. Uh, like, that's, that's what being in the church is all about. It's about being connected to people who are going to call you up, not call you down into their pit. That's why you need some people who are going to speak life into situations even when they don't understand or agree. That's who we're called to be. Uh, here's the third thing you need to fuel your dream is insight. We need hindsight, we need foresight, but we need insight. This is, this is the part where we need a little bit of self-awareness. Where are you today? Where, like, and, and we don't like this step because it really starts to deal with what who we really are. See, who you really are isn't what's on display in the good times. Everybody can put the good show on when things are good. But what about when things start falling apart? What about when there's opportunity for offense and bitterness? What about when people are upset? Or what about when people are, are gossiping? Who we are is in those moments. Who we are is what we dare to speak when we think no one else is ever going to find out about it. Like, who we are is not the good, but when pressure is applied. It's the same thing with maturity. You're not mature because you can carry your Bible and have perfect church attendance. You're mature because when there's opposition, then the Spirit of Christ still comes out of you. Then the fruit of the Spirit still comes out of you. That's where maturity starts to come. Maturity doesn't come to prove yourself right or to have an opinion. Everybody has those. They're like armpits and some stink. Maturity comes in saying, I can lay my life down. I can surrender to you, Father, no matter what. Maturity comes in the hard moments. We've got to know where we are. We've got to be willing to be honest before the Lord and with people who have accountability in our lives. That's why sometimes people are like, I'm going to be great one day, and they can never show up on time. Well, you, you have the potential to be great one day, but you probably ought to start showing up today on time. 
right? You know, you want to be the business owner, but, you know, you <laughs> can't pay your own bills. You, got, you know, like, whatever, like, we got to start where we are. We got to be honest enough with ourselves. We, people want to have influence. They want to have leadership, but they get easily offended. They don't want to listen to authority and be, be submitted. If you want to have authority, you better be under authority, or then you're just out there on your own. This is why we need people in our lives who will give us insight. Not just anybody. Everybody will give you something. Not everybody will give you godly spiritual insight. That's why it says God puts his people in the church where he wants them. I believe you're not here on accident. You're here on purpose. God brought you to this place. And it's not because of anything me. Like, like God just allows me to sit in the seat in your life in this period of time. But I believe God puts authority in the church for a reason. Amen. My mother-in-law said amen. So I'm going to keep going. This is why we need people in our lives who will sit down with us, who will go through the hard times with us, who will say the hard things to us, who will love us. People who couldn't love you more, couldn't love you less. And this, this just doesn't come through Facebook. It just doesn't come through that. It doesn't come through talking to as many people as you can until you find somebody to agree with you. No, it just, it comes from people who will call us up to another level. Because where you're going is too important. Who God created you to be is too big for you to be down in the slop. Love is more than agreement. Love is being willing to do and say the hard things. Here's the last one today. Four elements to fuel the dream in us. We need hindsight. We need foresight. We need insight and we need oversight. See, if all you have about your dream is what you can see, you probably won't make it because it'll be too discouraging. It'll be too far off. It'll, it, it'll be too frustrating. You might get lost in it. I mean, I've stood in the Space Mountain many times and see people get out of the line and leave because, oh, this is too long. This is uh, never going to get there. No, you'll get there. It just might take a little bit of time. There are times when we need to see our dream, our vision from a greater level than our own. We need to get some God vision for our lives because when we do, it'll catch a, we'll, it will catch a glimpse of that. It'll ignite passion in us. Remember, your dream is bigger than you. What God wants to do through you is bigger than who you are. It's going to require more than what you have today, but it doesn't mean you're incapable. It just means you're not there yet, but you are capable. You are well able to do it. That's why God put it inside of you so that you could bring it to life. You got it, boo. You can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you got some people around you speaking life into you to support you. You got the word of God that you can dive into to stand on when things are hard, promises to believe God for, but you've got to be willing to go through the steps. And see, when you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to remind you, to give you that overview, to say, hey, it's okay. I know it's hard right now, but don't lose sight of where I'm bringing you into. Don't lose sight of that generation that you're raising up. Don't don't lose sight of those things because when you get this oversight, when you begin to get in his presence and you allow him to speak to you, just like we sang, Holy Spirit, I'm open to what you want to say, what you want to do. When we begin to get in that posture, man, then you just begin to see the hurt differently. You begin to see the disappointment differently. You begin to see the loss differently when you begin to have God vision and realize that it's not going to kill you. 
to realize that it's a work of the enemy that's trying to make you give you trying to get you to give up but all of a sudden now you have oversight God vision and you can forgive a little more freely you can walk with more boldness you can walk with your head held high not in pride but in in the power of God come on let's get to our feet today I believe God wants to give you some fresh vision today. He wants to wake up the dreams inside of you today because there's greatness inside of you. Where you are right now is not the end. Who you are today is not all you're going to be. There is greatness that is coming out of you, and we're going to keep taking steps. We're going to keep pressing in. God, we want to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.